0: Hello, and welcome to the Bethesda Podcast feed. It's here you can find all of our recorded services. For more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. We hope you enjoy. And and we had so much stuff delivered. I don't know if you've been through the the Hall of Faith over here, but you need to go down this hall, look at these pictures, they look amazing. We got cabinets in the the nursery today. We had cabinets delivered today. Cabinets were set up on the, the bottom half. Half the cabinets were set up. We have more cabinets coming over here. And I don't know what our decorator did, but she told me that she said, uh, we have a delivery that's coming today. They'll give you a 30-minute heads up. They gave us a five-minute heads up. And that delivery, she said, they had to delay it because they needed a forklift. I'm like, in this entire renovation, we've never had a delivery that required a forklift. This is art. I still have no idea what she had delivered. I don't know if it's, we got like, marble statues I don't know what we got but I'm gonna tell you something we got some stuff we got some stuff in I'm assured that it's gonna look fantastic uh so there you go that's that's more stuff happening on the building I'm ready today I was talking and meeting with some folks on the parking lot uh we'll be getting the asphalt in very soon also uh just you know a little heads up something really cool that happened I was at camp meeting and a young man that used to go to church here. Uh, who got involved in the Louisiana state government and worked for Billy Nungesser and some other places, is now chief of staff at uh, a smaller office, but he used to work at the Department of Transportation until he just got to the Department of Transportation guy that had been there forever, a legend, retired. And when he retired, he went over and got a promotion, chief of staff at another place. But he has all the connections at Department of Transportation. We've held off on the asphalt because the parish or somebody is supposed to be replacing that front apron up here that's falling apart and has been for a year. They've, they've had it on the docket, surveyed it, ready to go. So we didn't want to fix it when they're going to come right in and fix it and pay for it and replace the pipe and the drainage underneath and all that kind of stuff. So I've been waiting. So the contractor has been getting in touch with Blake at the parish trying to, I know, don't get bored with Please let me vent. So, Blake at the parish, he's the head honcho at the parish over all that stuff. He's been trying to get in touch as a favor with the DOTD to find out when they're going to be doing this, this apron out here. And uh, he's getting nowhere fast. Like, I wanted to say, yeah, like, we get nowhere fast with your office. But that's another story. I didn't say that because he's doing us a favor. And so, he was getting nowhere fast with them. And so, at camp meeting, I'm just telling you, one of the benefits of camp meeting and working the seats like we do is all the VIPs come in, all the politicians and all the head honchos and the governor, all this kind of stuff. So working those seats, I'm, I'm meeting all these people and working with some of these people that I know. And Josh comes in, and I tell Josh, hey, I got a problem. Are you still with DOTD? I got a problem. He's like, you send me the address. You send me the information. I got all the connections. I'm going to find out where y'all are on the docket. I'm going to make sure you get pushed up to the front. We're gonna get you taken care of. Isn't that pretty cool? Because it's not what you know, it's who you know, I suppose, you know, and it is Louisiana. This is Huey P. Long's Louisiana, right here. So uh anyhow, stuff is happening. We're we're very excited about it. We're moving forward. Big little books, again, part 56 is Zechariah chapter five and chapter six, starting that. So, uh, did I say a prayer? I did, didn't I? Yes. Okay. <laughs> verses 1 and 2. Then I turn. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, especially in the King James. Then I turn and raised my eyes and saw there a flying scroll. The King James is a flying roll. Lamberts. Hello. I used to read that. I thought that was the funniest. One of the funniest verses in all the Bible. Then I turned and raised my eyes and saw there a flying scroll, and he said to me, what do you see? So I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits, and its width is 10 cubits. So he sees this flying scroll. It's his vision. It's a, it's a, it's a scroll. It's, it's scripture. You know, it's rolled up. It's a scroll of scripture flying through the air and Zachariah couldn't get its dimensions, 20 cubits, 10 cubits. That is 15 by 30 feet in its dimensions. Think about that. 15, this is about 15 feet by 30 feet. So, you know, twice this, so to that wall from here. So it's, it's this massive scroll that's flying through the air. Incidentally, those were the dimensions of the porch of Solomon's temple. First Kings six, three, we have that. So, so he, he turns and, and this is again, this is the minor prophets. These books are strange, strange little books. That's what I should have called this strange little books. <laughs> Next time, strange little books. And uh, very prophetic and uh, covering all kind of different eras. But uh, he, he sees this flying scroll, has the dimensions, gets the dimensions. And then verses 3 and 4. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. Every thief shall be expelled according to this side of the scroll. And every perjurer shall be expelled according to that side of it i will send out the curse says the lord of hosts it shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name it shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with its timbers and stones what does that mean so every thief is expelled every perjurer is expelled I think of school, you know, when a kid gets expelled, they're cast out, right? They're, they're, they're cast out. You can't come back. You're expelled. I never was expelled. I was suspended several times. That's a whole other story. I was raised in church. I was a good kid and suspended from school from time to time. Uh, a lot of people think because of the wording here that this scroll, this gigantic 15-by-30-foot scroll is uh, you've got the Ten Commandments at least contained in this scroll. Because to steal was to uh, you know be a thief and to injure your neighbor. To perjure was to dishonor God because you swear in His name and it's falsely. And so He says, I, I will send out the curse, the curse. Remember in Deuteronomy when He said, Blessed are you if you do these sayings of mine. You'll be blessed in the field, blessed in the... Your your pantry will be blessed. Blessed will be the fruit of your loins. You know your your all your business. Your your uh, cupboard will be blessed. All these blessings. But then, there's about fourteen verses. There's about twenty eight verses that say, "Oh yeah." And if you don't hear these words of mine and do them, then cursed you'll be. Cursed in the field and cursed will be the fruit of your loins and your uh, cupboard will be cursed and your cattle will be cursed and all these curses. So that's kind of what you see here. I will send out the curse. So these two sins, one from each side of the tablets of the Ten Commandments, you could say, they're representing all of Israel's sin. God's going to curse the people who committed these sins and also curse their house. So that curse. Now, here's the good news in the New Testament. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. We have an advocate with the Father. So When we sin, when we fail, when we mess up, when we don't obey, we turn to Jesus and we say, Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up. And the curse has been taken for us. So at the same time, though, if we don't maintain that relationship with God and confess our sin and turn from our sin, then we're opening ourselves up to the effect of the curse. Because the world is broken anyway, right? I mean, I don't have all the answers, but I know this, that... The world is prodigal, the world is broken, entropy takes place, things go from, you know, an organized state to a less organized state, chaos is outside these doors, chaos is on your job, uh, everything's falling apart, the world's in, got issues, right? But the grace of God is like an umbrella for us. There's protections involved in serving the Lord. You know, we've tried, we, we try to uh, duplicate that in authoritative systems with government, you know. You think of uh, gangs and mobs and stuff like that where there's a protective element involved. Like, we're gonna, you know, you're one of the family. We're going to protect you, that kind of thing. I think in the mafia, we're going to protect you, you know. And we can do our best, but ultimately chaos is outside these doors, And the devil is mean, has no conscience, pulls out all the stops. He's tricky. He's a good devil. He's a great deceiver. And and he could trip us up over our own selves, over our own feet. And, And there's just curse out there. But the grace of God, there's a protection in walking with the Lord, right? No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against me. Come on now. There's a blessing. There's a protection that comes from the Lord. And so here you have this this curse that is being sent out, and and this is a prophet dealing with Israel who has dealt with sin. Look at verses 5 through 8. Then the angel who talked with me came out and said to me, lift your eyes now and see what this is that goes forth. So I asked, what is it? He said, it's a basket that is going forth. He also said, there is a resemblance throughout the earth. Here is a lead disc Or a lead disc lifted up, and this is a woman sitting inside the basket. And this just gets strange, right? Strange little books. Then he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her down into the basket and threw the lead cover over its mouth. All right. We've got to do something with this, right? So this basket that's going forth. The angel who talked with me came out and said, lift up your eyes now. What you? So he saw a flying roll, you know, with commandments that they were breaking. And uh, now he sees a basket that's going forth. Uh, a basket was uh, an ephah. It's, um, it, it, and there's this lead disc. These are units of measurement and symbols of commerce. Altogether, that's what this is representing. This is their resemblance throughout the earth. The NIV puts it like this this is the iniquity of the people throughout the land. Uh, This is wickedness, he would say. So the woman, the basket, the way they're associated with wickedness. These are images that are painting a picture, not necessarily for us, but for them in that day. This is painting a picture of greed materialism and dishonesty for the sake of profit they're not taking care of their business in an ethical way the hebrew word for wickedness is in the feminine so that's probably why it's a woman and not a man and in this image of this evil in this vision not because women are evil right but it's just part of this picture here the the Zechariah prophesied to those who returned from the Babylonian exile. So God's people came back out of Babylon, and this makes sense when you think about it, with a materialistic problem. They They were struggling with materialism because while they were in Babylon, they saw the bling of Babylon. Brother Dean preached a message years ago at Men's Conference. Russell, I don't know if you remember that, but it was called the bling of Babylon and uh they saw the bling of babylon and so they wanted it and and that's the idea here this is uh, a problem that they are having and this vision is speaking to that problem so god will use visions with imagery you know uh metaphors analogies uh idioms that that help us understand what he's trying to say, and they got this, they understood this, and he said he, he thrust her down into the basket, so he shoved the little lady into the basket, and then he put a lead lid on top of it, shut her up, put a cover over its mouth, now I could make so many jokes right there, but I'm just not going to do it, because I would get in so much trouble, Valerie's not in here though, you know, so... The first thing that God does, right, is he demonstrates his authority over evil and his ability to remove that wickedness from Jerusalem. And one of the things that he's doing is he's using a prophet to speak the word. And, you know, he sent his word to heal them and deliver them out of all their destruction. So here's part of that fulfillment is coming because Zechariah is speaking the word. So um, never underestimate the power of the preached word of uh, someone with a touch of the prophetic, someone speaking on behalf of God, God can show them, let me put it this way, God can show uh, a man or a woman of God in your life something, a vision per se, that makes no sense to them. They can speak it to you, and it can speak directly to what's ailing you spiritually. And I heard this today. Uh, A a fellow told me, he said, I don't know if this is God or not, but this is what I feel. and And a lot of times it doesn't seem to make sense to the messenger, but the one getting the message gets the message. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's kind of what you have here. I don't know if Zachariah fully understood this, but uh, he probably did, but he's you know he's speaking to the people that had the problem and uh, helping the Lord's helping them uh, through, this, through this prophetic word. Then verses 9 to 11. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting, Brother Jason? Oh, it is, it is. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were two of them. <laughs> and there were two women coming with the wind in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. I told you, strange little books. And they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. So I said to the angel who talked with me. Where are they carrying the basket? And he said to me. To build a house for it in the land of Shinar. When it is ready the basket will be set there on its base. Two women. They had wings. Like the wings of a stork. So. The women in Zechariah's vision had to have big wings, strong enough to take this basket with a lead lid, back to Babylon with a woman inside of it. So some see these as agents, Guzik says, as agents of evil, because a stork in uh, the Jewish scripture, the stork was an unclean bird. It was an unclean bird the dirty bird, as we say, and so uh, they see these as agents of evil, but uh, they're, they're doing the work of God, and sending this wicked woman back to Babylon, and they where are they carrying the basket, he said, so God is causing the evil materialistic spirit, which is really what she represents, to go back to its starting place, the land of Shinar, that's Babylon, the valley of Shinar, that's Mesopotamia, that's Ur of the Chaldees, that's Babylon, that's where Abraham came from, that's where the children of Israel had been in captivity, and it's a notoriously wicked place started by a guy named Nimrod, Nimrod Nimrod's probably not his name, it's probably a title, and uh, that title is uh, representative of an Antichrist spirit, because at Babylon they built the Tower of Babel, at Babylon you have a one world government, at Babylon you have uh, a one world dictator, which is uh, such a type of the Antichrist, and so over and over we see that. But it's really a type of man-made religion, man saving himself. Uh, one of the definitions, one of the meanings of the word Babylon is uh, confusion. Another one is the gate of the gods. So it's really the origin of man-made religion and false religion. And when we say, when we say man-made religion, you've got to understand, man doesn't just make religion a religion, come up with a religion, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard did, but that's another story. But like, man-made religion, and and, and there's no spiritual component to it. I think a lot of times what we do is we'll say, well, that's a man-made religion, that's a false religion. So there's no spiritual component to it. It's not real. The truth is, Paul would make it clear in his writings in the New Testament that behind the idols were demon spirits. So it may be a dead, non-sentient piece of stone carved in the head of a man like at Easter Island, or it may be a tree that's carved or worshipped or oiled and venerated. It it could be all kinds of inanimate objects that are not real. But behind the scenes, like I preached on Sunday, because of what I don't see, like there's a spiritual world back there that is milking people for everything it's worth to keep them in bondage. You know, years ago, I heard a story uh, of a man that went to Haiti and was uh gonna be a missionary. And he went to Haiti and he was very it reminds me of when I went to Maryland. I told you all about that, and I, I was like the man of God, super anointed, and I claimed this multimillion-dollar property for uh, Way of Life Community Church. In Jesus' name, ain't no devil in hell going to stop us. Uh, and there wasn't no devil in hell. That, that's really not the way, right way to say that, but I'm trying to be proper, and I'm butchering it. So There wasn't no devil in hell <laughs> that... that stopped us the church but uh we didn't get that building like i told y'all and uh so this man his name escapes me right now i'll think about it in a moment but he went to haiti which is full of voodoo and witchcraft and y'all that stuff's real you know it's right up the road it's here it's it's in this area too you know, when the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, well, principalities, well, Ascension Parish is a principality. It's a, it's a, a dominion. It's an area of, of governance. And the uh, spiritual kingdom uh, reflects the natural kingdom. If you'll remember when we talked about this in Daniel a long time ago, but when when Daniel was praying and and Gabriel was sent from heaven to give him an answer, and he said, I would have been here 21 days ago, but the prince of Persia withstood me. Prince of Persia? So, like, the, the shah of, of Persia, the shah of Iran, uh, stood up and, and uh, hindered Gabriel? You know, one angel killed 180,000 Assyrians in one night. So you think a man is going to say, I forbid you to, you know, trespass on our territory, you flying giant archangel.'" It's not going to happen. The prince of Persia was not a man. The prince of Persia was the counterpart of Gabriel. This is a a big, bad, fallen angel that is over Persia. Later, he would be the prince of Greece. Again, it wasn't Alexander the Great or some Grecian uh, emperor. This is These are spiritual entities. So when, he, when Paul would say, we wrestle not in flesh and blood, but principalities, like there there's this dual kingdom system going on, and so I don't know like when a country is overtaken by another country, if another spirit comes in I, I don't know I don't know if it's broken down by languages there's a lot that I don't understand a lot of questions that I have and answers I don't have, but I do know there's an, another world that's just as real as this world, if not more so, like I preach sunday, and so anyhow, this guy goes down to Haiti and he's all bold and he's big and bad and I'm anointed and I'm going to do all this stuff. And he just kind of lampooned the witch doctors and all. He's just kind of like, I got power and dominion. No no weapon formed against me. And he just, he had a little bit of a, a cavalier attitude when he went there. Well, I don't know how this all works, but they did their thing. And our missionary falls into a coma, gets sick, goes into a coma and is about to die he's in a coma for almost a month the story that I got and right before he was going to die this is his testimony he said right before I was I was I was about to check out he said Jesus appears to me and and like tells me he's going to raise me up and do a great work and he touches me in his hand like goes through my head and when he does I'm healed instantly and he said I get up and he said, "I haven't been up for you know weeks." And he said, "When I got up, I stumbled to the my front porch as the witch doctor was leading a parade to his house because the witch doctor knew he was going to die that day." He said, "I don't believe that. Well, that's fine. That's that's all right." But he said, "He said, uh, and, and you know, and God gave him uh, a great victory, and he learned through that lesson. He was not cavalier anymore. He's leaning on the Lord all the way. But God did give him." A great uh, a revival; many souls were one to the Lord, and that that man visited New Orleans. And when he came into the city, he was in the French Quarter, and he went into a uh, he went by a voodoo shop. And and you say, well, this is all just for tourism; none of it matters. But well, my point that I'm trying to make is, behind false religions, there's a system that is dark and wicked and twisted, perverted, messed up, and it it gets a hold of people. And and so when he walked by that shop, a voice came from the shop and called him by name and said, I know who you are. And he said, you go back to Haiti and don't, don't come here. And he walked in the shop. He spoke to that spirit and he said i know who you are and I, I i'm you know i'm a manic whatever he he just he he was recognized remember when when the seven sons of Skeva tried to cast the demon out of that that boy and they didn't succeed that's a whole other story but those demons looked at that boy because that 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 man that tried to do that i'm sorry the seven sons of Skeva that were trying to cast out a demon they were trying to be exorcists and they said in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon cries out and says, I know Jesus, and I know Paul. But who are you? I don't know you. I preached a message one time called, Who in the hell are you? (laughs) Uh, That's what he's saying, right? That probably came out a little rough. That's not what I meant, <laughs> but <laughs> but but that man was was uh, recognized. Incidentally, it's so funny. I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, he's passed away now, but he was an evangelist. We were in New Orleans. I told him that story. Man, a hair on the back of our neck was standing up. Like, wow, that's an amazing story. We walked into a voodoo shop, and uh, the girl that was working there, like. She just, she was super nice to us and uh, couldn't help us enough. We're like, can I help you? You know, she was very nice. And I looked at him, I, thought, I said, well, this spirit don't know us, you know, <laughs> like, we're not a threat, you know. But that was not our turf. That man was in Haiti, right? That man went through some stuff. I'm going to tell you something. If you gain dominion in some of these realms, you're going to pay a price for it. Bottom line is, Jesus has paid the price but when you're called into a region, you know, Paul would later say, he's like, I bear in my mark, in my body, the marks uh, of Jesus. Like, I have suffered. And he goes into 1 Corinthians 12 and talks about all this, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, about all the stuff he suffered for the gospel. When you, when you uh, look at a, a, an old missionary, an old uh, faithful saint of God that is still in the game, they've been through some stuff. And they're known in hell uh, because you're going to face some stuff, and it's not a cavalier type attitude. And I, I said all of that, and I don't remember exactly why. I think I was saying that because of the false religions of Babylon. Babylon's got. Uh, uh, Babylon is the is the origin of false religion, but it's not like there's nothing behind it. So you name any cult, you name any religion. Uh, that it that is and there's derivations uh, and deviations of Christianity uh, really a lot of stuff that we get in New Orleans you know it's it's voodoo hoodoo it's Catholic it's a it's a mix of it all and it's uh, it's in the and the enemy takes advantage of all of that so he sends he sends this woman in the basket with the lead lid on it back to Babylon and she's put on a pedestal which is what they would use for idols. This is an idolatrous spirit that has infected God's people, and he said, I'm going to get rid of it. So we're done with chapter 5. We'll start chapter 6. Are you with me? Then I turned and raised my eyes and looked, and behold, four chariots were coming from between two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of bronze. With the first chariot were red horses, with the second chariot black horses, with the third chariot white horses, and with the fourth chariot dappled horses strong steeds so here we have four chariots coming from between two mountains so uh, the original text says that the two mountains it's the definite article there the two mountains so it's probably the mount of olives and mount zion and mountains of bronze uh, associates these mountains with strength and judgment Bronze is often used for judgment in the Bible. So you have strength, you have judgment here, probably the Mount of Olives and Mount Zion. Four chariots, red horses, black horses, white horses, dappled horses, strong steeds. So the horsemen of Zechariah, one we saw, they were observers on a renec- re- reconnaissance mission doing recon, intelligence gathering. These four chariots and their horses are seem to be... Uh, on a mission of judgment they're, they're emissaries guzik says of god's war against what's going on in the earth some commentators want to identify these four chariots with daniel's four world empires from daniel 2 and daniel 7 but the colors essentially are the same as the four horsemen in revelation 6 and those horsemen in revelation 6 are god's judgment we looked at that in our study on that Some commentators connect these with the angelic messengers of judgment in Revelation 7, 1 through 3. Uh, One commentator that I read after, his name is Luck. He points out, as Luck would have it, in the usual scriptural symbolism, red speaks of war, black of famine and death, white of victory, and grizzled, or that dappled, of pestilence. And you can look that up in Ezekiel 14 or Revelation 6. So verses 4 through 8, then I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel answered me and said, these are four spirits of heaven who go out from their station before the Lord uh, of all the earth. The one with the black horses is going to the north country, the white are going after them, and the dappled are going toward the south country. Then the strong steeds went out eager to go that they might walk to and fro throughout the earth. And he said, go, walk to and fro throughout the earth. So they walked to and fro throughout the earth and he called to me and spoke to me saying see those who go toward the north country have given rest to my spirit in the north country. So we're kind of wrapping up here. Four spirits of heaven. So these are four chariots. These are these are angelic beings. I think we can determine that from other places in scripture. These are angels sent from God and they're on a mission. They're they're uh they have a similar purpose of, uh, as those in revelation 6 John Calvin an old figure in Christianity said that these angels can be compared to horsemen on chariots because these ride swiftly as it were throughout the whole world to execute judgment so you can say it like this if if Zechariah was today, living in today he he might see uh fighter jets you know angels like fighter jets they're just they're swiftly moving beyond just, you know, the ability to walk or run. It's it's a very swift movement. So you could see airplanes or jets or rockets or something like that uh, where they're moving very swiftly, very quickly. And uh, then he says, to the north country, two of the horses are focused on the north. That's where Babylon and Magog are. And uh, so they're to walk. You know to go there but they're also to go to and fro throughout the whole earth and uh those who go toward the north country have given rest to my spirit in the north country so it seems to me that these spirits these angelic beings are dealing with the enemies against god and god's people and his purposes and that's what it means when there's a rest that he gets because they're dealing with the enemies uh you know i think that's kind of cool thought about that you know we have an enemy uh an adversary, and, and when that adversary is defeated in our lives, when his schemes are thwarted in our lives, there's a rest that, you know, not only we have, but this says that I get our, the Lord's like, I'm, my spirit's at rest when those enemies, which also makes me know that when the enemy's coming against you, his spirit's not at rest. You know, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. You know, when Stephen was in trouble, the Bible says he looked up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Like, there's not a rest position there. There's We've got a problem. And, and so, uh, that, that, that you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is on our side. Won't you stand with me right now? Um, I, I, as much as, as, as I've talked about the enemy tonight, and as big and bad and ugly as, as he really is, he's more he's more messed up he's so sick and twisted you know if 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 mankind were left to his own devices by himself, we would have problems because we're fallen and broken and messed up, selfish. You have to teach a kid to be selfish. You have to teach a kid how to lie, steal. it's just it comes by default. It's our default setting. But then you take that. And you couple it with a mean old devil, then you got what's going on in the world today. You got war. You you've got greed. You know, somebody said I've never seen a, a commander that wasn't all about going to war. You know, well there's power and prestige and promotion and money, and and you've got you got war. You got Sex trafficking, you got the trafficking of children, millions, sick and twisted, stealing kids. Stealing kids right off the street, marketing them, selling them. It's crazy. Well, you just take the brokenness of man and you mix that with the old mean devil and you've just got a recipe for hell on earth but that's not the end of the story because we have a jesus greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world We, we have a mighty god as the prophet said one who is mighty to save he's not weak his arm is not short that he cannot save and his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Like, this is a, an amazing God who speaks to us in our, as the children of Israel were, and our in our materialism and greed. And he shakes us. And he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of that spirit in you. I'm gonna send a prophet to speak to you, and I'm gonna take care of this, and I'm, I'm gonna get you out of a Babylonian mentality. And back into a a mentality that comes from that flying scroll. I saw that scroll. And that scroll, you know, Jesus said, it's not me that's going to judge you. It's my word that's going to judge you. That word, getting back to that word. And and folks, you know, I teach the Bible. I believe in the Bible. Uh, But we live in a world today where modern Christianity is, it's amazing to me how fast we're throwing out the Bible there are so many I listened to a guy today and he was just talking about the negatives of the Old Testament basically said we need to get rid of the Old Testament we need to preach from Matthew, Mark, Luke and John that's it we don't need that Old Testament that Old Testament is, is telling us stuff that is confusing us and I'm like really? so you know in the book of Acts let's say the first church there wasn't a Matthew, Mark, Luke and John yet they preached the gospel from the Old Testament. The church was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. I'm just saying we got to have that book, that word. That word will purify us. Wherefore shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed unto the word? I've hidden the word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I pray that God would give us all a vision of a, a 15 by 30 foot flying Bible flying right through our living room, flying right through our our minds and our dreams while lying on our beds. And we're like, what in the world is that? That's a Bible, son. You need to open it and get into it. And I've got apparently uh, like some kind of, uh, I can't shut up. i got one last thing to say. When I was a young preacher... I was trying to preach I was just back in church I was trying to do good I thought I was doing good I had places to preach so I'm like obviously I'm successful people are calling me and asking me to speak but I got in this habit of studying the Bible to get sermons and my life started uh, having some issues and I got on my knees one morning and I said Lord I need you to speak to me and give me a word And he said, I've given you 66 books. I've given you thousands of words. If you'll quit studying to find sermons, you knucklehead, and start studying to find out how to live your life, you'll be all right. And I got off my knees and said, touche. I literally said, touche. I poured myself a cup of coffee and I opened the Bible and I never looked back and I started studying the Bible To find out how to live. To find out what my Heavenly Father was saying to me. To find out what He really did for me in Christ. To find out what He really made me in Christ. To find out this relationship that I was in. What does it mean? Where am I? And man, it changed my life. 15 by 30 foot Bible is coming your way. In Jesus' name. Can you close your eyes, lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you Lord there's no defense Lord against this old mean devil like a renewed mind and a heart full of faith that comes by hearing the word no defense like that Lord and it's a heart full of faith that cries unto the Lord and says Lord I'm leaning into you I'm trusting you in this situation I'm a nevertheless person I'm laying my life down and I'm leaning on you God I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the name. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. You can also visit us in person at 15050 Dagle Road, Prairieville, Louisiana. Services are at 10 a.m. Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday.